Welcome to the podcast, Most People Don't But You Do. We have stories and conversations with people that are going above and beyond, people that are giving up their time, energy, and resources to help others. Today's guest is doing all of those things plus more. Let me read a little bit about Chase Harmer. He spent 25 years as a payments entrepreneur. He's pioneer in virtual credit card technology. He has seven patents since 2013. He founded ProfitPay, was acquired by Pay Certified in 2021 with a valuation in the, let's just say, triple digit millions. What's cool about Chase is how to build enterprise value and processes for scale. And now Chase is the founder of Wishes. We're going to get into a little bit about Wishes is doing, but it's all about revolutionizing fundraising. A lot of our guests are people that are doing things differently, and we're going to learn a lot about Chase Harmer here in a moment. So Chase, more most importantly, welcome to the podcast. Most people don't, but you do. <laughs> Thank you, Bart. I appreciate it. And super excited to, to chat with you today. Yeah. And what our listeners are probably most interested in is learning about what motivates people to do these things. And I was doing some great research on you and I'll insert a couple of little clips of what I've learned. But if you can talk about growing up, uh, I'm I'm assuming California, but I I don't want to make any assumptions. Can you just tell us about growing up and what were you like as a kid and what were some of the early influencers that you had? Yeah, I, I think I my parents were working class. My mom was a teacher. My dad was an electrician, and so union, super democratic. <laughs> and uh, I just grew up in a house that was there was always just enough, but never a lot. And I think I always wanted more. And I think my dad tried to get me into the trades when I was eighteen. When I graduated high school, I did the summer apprentices stuff and a trade trade and a great trade and one of the, one of the higher paying trades out there but doing the same thing over and over again to me was not something that I was willing to want to do I really wanted to go out there and speak to people and do things and try to make things happen and, and try to like really dictate my own future I felt like in a normal nine to five job I never really would have that opportunity to really dictate the terms of how my future would look. That kind of drove me to start a business when I was 19 years old. And at that point, I you know, made tons of mistakes. I, I made lots of mistakes at a very high level and uh, didn't know how to be a tech entrepreneur when I started. And But I definitely learned over, over the, the yeah. decades. So Chase, in, in, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rewind just a little bit here. And I know it's sometimes <laughs> difficult for people to be able to speak about themselves. You just totally skipped over a whole bunch of things. So I do want to rewind. Okay. Brothers and sisters growing up. Yeah. No, I had three sisters, three sisters, uh, mom and dad. And yeah, we had a tight family, super close to my younger sister still. Yeah. Okay. And you said that you had enough, right? You had enough, but you wanted more. So here, let's go back to like your high school days. Are you having visions of being an entrepreneur, you had already stated that that you wanted to be in charge of your own destiny. Did anything happen that made you think, oh, I'm watching my mom and dad and they're killing it. They're working so freaking hard and no one is appreciating them. Did anything happen to lead you on this path? I think it's a good question. Everyone asking that, but I think I went to a private Catholic high school and everyone, all the kids always had money 
to do things and I never did. And, and so I think that I wanted to be able to never have that problem. And yeah. so I think that was really what it was is that obviously it costs a lot to even eat lunch. You go get a salad and it's 20 bucks, right? My mom would give me 20 bucks, which it's to with all the other kids, everyone else had, they had money to go to the cafeteria and go eat and do these things. And I just didn't. And I just wanted, and it was nothing against my mom. She thought $20 was a lot. And we did, it's a lot. But yeah. at the end of the day, when all your friends have, they can continue to go to cafeteria and get all these things all the time. But how come I don't have that? Yeah. Why don't I? Yeah. I and Chase, it's so, it's so interesting that you share this because I would say this is no exaggeration. Out of 114 episodes, and in fact, my episode was being released today, a very good friend of mine said his name is Doug Barman. And he's with a company called Conference Direct. He said, Bart, you're trying to grow your business and you're talking to everyone else. How about if we just flip the tables and let me interview you? So he did that and it's actually being released today. This interview with you, Chase, will be released in a few weeks. But it was just funny. The reason why I'm sharing that with you is that my parents were educators. Yeah. And then about more than half of every single guest out of 114 episodes, their parents were educators. And I'm talking individuals that are entrepreneurs like you, executive directors, CEOs and founders, president of Carnival Cruise Lines. It doesn't matter what industry, yeah. the people that I'm gravitating to, that I'm yeah. asking to be on the show is because they are doing, but there's that commonality of education from a parental lens, which is just really unique. Yeah. Did your Chase, did your sisters feel this influence of we're fine, we have money, but we want more. Did your sisters see the same thing as you? I'm a lot different than my sister. I think I'm a unique creature, but my younger sister ended up being a lawyer and doing her own practice and all that. She's, we're too different, but if you think about it, like she's an entrepreneur, she's doing her thing and she has it. She's built this great business for herself over all the years. My older, two older sisters, they travel around the country and they're doing pharmaceutical sales stuff and Okay. controlling their own schedule. They got hectic lives. And I think we're all built differently. I think a lot of the things that I've gone through, I, I don't think most people would want to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, it's, I don't even know why I subject myself to the pain sometimes, but just, I can't help myself. And I think it, it, what I read something about you already, and it's, it makes you feel alive. If you cannot breathe, and I can't remember <laughs> the exact description, but it was something about it's not built out for everyone being an entrepreneur that you feel comfortable when you can't breathe, when you're under the gun, when you have a thousand things going on. Yeah. Did you get that sense? Yes, I know that you started your first company at 19, but let's go to 15 and 16 middle school years. Were you, were you thinking, you know what? I have an idea. I want to make this happen. Were you a leader? Were you a, yeah. a go-getter, a club starter? Yeah. No, I, I was like a star athlete uh, back then. So I thought I was going to be like in the major league baseball. I thought I was going to play professional sports. Mm -hmm. That obviously didn't happen, but I did my first patent at 14. And I think, and so I guess at that time, I really didn't know what to do, but I didn't even know who to call. It was like just a random like thing. And I mm -hmm. ended up, of course, getting that first patent, but then I have created a bunch more since then and replicated the process, but more sophisticated and, and more financial technology type things. But yeah. yeah what was your fast first patent. I'm curious. It was something about, it was like a shoe. It was a shoe uh, thing that I did. And it, I never even, because I only had enough money to build a prototype. Yeah. And um, after that, I, <laughs> I didn't have any more money. I mean, as a kid, you know, so yeah. 
my parents would only engage with my ideas for so long until they're like, dude, this is, this is costing way too much money. So, but, but how fun, how many other 14 year olds can say they had their first patent, which is just, it, it's remarkable. So yeah. what I'm, what I think our listeners are learning and I shared with you earlier, Chase, so go out proactively to about a hundred thousand people. And it's everything from CEOs and founders to executive directors, to hospitality individuals, to students, you name it. What I'm getting a sense of already is that, and this is not uncommon for many of our guests, that for whatever reason, something drives them. And it might be a chip on the shoulder, but a chip in the shoulder that they're using for a good, for good, right? For a good drive, for good efforts. So even that one aspect of, look, $20 for lunch, but you're at a private school and other kids had $40 for lunch and $50 for lunch. If that was what was driving you, good, right? At least you know that you recognize it. And now you're turning that that chip, let's just say, into really great things and helping people. I want to pause and just talk a little bit about, okay, so 19 years old, you're starting your first company. Were you studying hospitality full-time in addition to starting your own company? Or how did that that work out? Yes. So I ended up, I ended up dropping out. I had a track scholarship to Cal Poly. I dropped out and then I came back and finished later. So I, and I just was one of those things that you want to finish. And so Mm -hmm. I did, but I really was upset at the fact that I didn't get a football scholarship and I didn't really want to run track. I was just super fast and I beat everybody. And and when I went out to college, I was running like 46s in the 400. So like I was really fast and I had another level there, but I just didn't really want to do it. And I thought if I'm not going to do sports, then I just don't want to do school. And I'd rather just, I'd rather just get into something. And and that's the story long and short of it is I, I, that was my path. And I bet it could, it drove me to do a lot of different things. Um, I really started learning lessons at a very young age that most people wouldn't yeah. be uh, subjecting themselves to or even putting themselves in those types of situations. But it's, I think that's been yeah. the culmination of my career. It's yeah. been a school of hard and, knocks. Yeah, and Chase, what would you say that your skills are, right? So going from a shoe patent at 14, at yeah. 19, your first company, was it payments related? Yeah. So essentially I started, I, I got a few thousand bucks from my mom because I had no money. And then I, so backtrack, I yeah. worked at a, I, I got a job back then. I, it was they had the classified sections in the newspaper, and I got a job at it's a credit card processing. And so mm-hmm. I entered the job. This guy had a lot of operation. He had three telemarketers. He had wait, he had a system, and he'd send us out on appointments, and then we cold call around the area. And uh, what I learned real quick is that I was actually really good at that. And and then I got a glimpse of how much money he made, and then I quit the next day, um, and I started my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you become competition for that person? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Love it. Love it. So you looked at an opportunity, you realized what you were good at. Now, would you say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Chase, what is your passion? I think my passion and my strength is really wanting to to help others. I think when I'm happiest, when Mm -hmm. I'm the happiest is when I'm actually helping other people and giving back, but ultimately participating in that process. And I think that's part of the reason why. I started what I did now is just because there was yeah. a lack of human connection in charitable giving. Like when you mm-hmm. either have time or money, right? And if you don't have time and you only can give and you really lose that connection with people because you're emotionally tied to your story. The reason people give is because they're emotionally tied mm-hmm. to the outcome of the story. They want to help someone, right? Or help something, right? People give to people, right? right? But if you have no idea what happens after you give, like, 
you lose that entire connection of why you did it in the first place. And I think, and I, so I wanted to solve that problem specifically because I feel like we as humans want to connect. We really, even though if we say, like, and I'm a loner, I think by nature is I, because I'm working a lot and I think I'm okay being alone. But the reality is I think we all, when you do have people around you and you're connected and you're, you're always in a like happier state. And I think yeah. we as people need that. And if you're going to give, and give often and, and try to support other causes and people. I feel like that human connection is necessary for you to want to do that continually. Chase, did you grow into that attitude, into that philosophy? I think it required. So when I started my first, when I started my first technology company, when you start innovating and doing things, I came in there with a very large ego. So I, I did very well in my 20s and 30s, made millions of dollars. And I thought I was, you know, king of the world and I could do anything. And the reality is is you really don't know what you don't know. And I think Mm -hmm. just made lots of mistakes. And when you innovate things and you try to build things from scratch, you fail like over. And there's massive amounts of failure. There's so many failures that it, it really just beats you down. So I think I really got humbled because I, you know, wasn't winning as much as I used to because making sales, that's a win, but I was making sales all the time. And, but that's, you're just selling a product, right? But when you're creating a product and trying to innovate something and build something that never has existed, there's lots of failure in it. Because if you're not failing, you're not innovating. You're just, you're just copying or you're just replicating a business model that already exists. So I feel like, but I wasn't ready for that. And I think most founders aren't ready for that, but it, it ultimately humbles you to a point where you can't, you don't really, you lose ego. And I think when you lose ego and I pray and then I spend time meditating in the morning and that ultimately puts me in that kind of state where I want to be that person. I think without that, I was driven more by the financial rewards of what I was, what I was going after. I was like, I'm going to exit for blah, blah. This is what we're doing. But I think that that really didn't end up the way that I envisioned it. And it ultimately yeah. never made me happy. I yeah. just this miserable person. I was living for a future that I was so far out in the future that I couldn't actually grab it. So I think I, I slowly became that person, but it took a while of beating, yeah. getting beat down. Yeah. First of all, amazing, Chase. And thank you. And thank you for doing what most people don't do. It's hard to be able to realize that, to check your ego at the door and say, first of all, I made a lot of mistakes, but then I came to the realization that money was one thing, but happiness was something else. And money's not always making you happy because I I meet a lot of people. I was working with a, it's a group called Vistage out of Wisconsin. And there's a gentleman who is starting a new group up there. And I asked him confidentially, I said, do you need to do this? And he's just like, no. And he's probably 65 years old or so. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Because I want to help people. Yeah. I'm like, so money is not an issue. You have enough money. Yeah, I have plenty of money, but yeah. I, I now want to help people. Was there any one thing that happened, Chase, in your life that made you think, okay, you know what? I have enough money. I, I'm, I, I don't need to chase it anymore, Chase. <laughs> I, I want to dedicate my talents, my resources, my time, and my energy to something else like starting wishes. Did anything happen? Um, yeah, after I had a, I got in a pretty big, like I, I lost a lot. So I basically made a lot, I made millions and then I, I had a big uh, car accident, which essentially brought me back to earth and I lost a lot and I had to rebuild everything from scratch. But <clears throat> I think 
the value of a person is really not what they can do with money, but what they can do with nothing. So human potential is unlimited, but it really depends upon the human that is behind that skin that we're all wearing, this disguise, that's this being that's inside of there. And I think ultimately the value of a person really is uh, driven by what they can do with nothing. And it's just like I created my first company from nothing. I created this from nothing. And somehow we put together $2 million and I made it all happen and raised some more money. And But I started with from zero again. But I think that's the power of just persistence and not giving up. And the reality that anybody, if anyone can do anything that they want to, as long as they have uh, breath in their body. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the, the value, and I'm always looking for certain quotes that I hear from our guests to become the title. Yeah. And I, you've just rattled off probably 20 different quotable titles, but <laughs> what you just shared is the value of a human being is what they can do without money. Yeah. That's the skin well, of who they are. Yeah. Like what they the can value do. Of a human exactly. It's not what they can do with money, but yeah. what they can do with, with, with no money, like yeah. what, what they can do from nothing. Okay. So again, I'm sorry to hear about the situation, right? The, the car accident, essentially losing the, yeah. the money and yeah. then. Was that then the turning point in the genesis of starting Wishes? Uh, yeah. So basically I was, so what happened was, is I stepped down as CEO at my old company and I, I essentially lost myself of identity. So I, I really, for three months, I didn't even know who I was because I spent 11 years building a company that I no longer was really a part of. And, and I, I put my heart and soul into that thing. So I really just lost who I was. And then when I came back into reality, I was like, listen, I spent 11 years basically pioneering this, this very niche skill that really no one else... There's not a lot of people that know how to do what I do at, at the level that I do. And, and I wanted to... And I said, hey, listen, if, if I could spend 11 years dedicated to my life, 18 hours a day building something, and then it could just be taken away from you right. in a moment... like. I want to spend my time doing something that's going to leave potentially leave a legacy. If I if anything happens to me or I want to spend my time making an impact, making a difference, like why am I here? If I can spend all this time and then lose it all, like why don't I spend my time doing something that matters? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 again, what an unusual and refreshing approach. Yeah. That is just incredible that you are thinking that way, being so successful as an entrepreneur and being able to think that way. Because yeah. what, what I'm finding, Chase, is that there's a lot of very big companies out there, not necessarily started by an entrepreneur, but large companies, and they're not always doing the right thing for the right reasons. Yeah. And I talk a lot about doing decency. And in fact, that's one of the presentations of, that's one of the titles of a presentation that I do. And it's how can we do right by and for others? And okay. how can companies make decisions that are right for others and are right by others? It's very unusual, which leads us to wishes right yeah. now. So mm-hmm. it, you had the ups, you had the downs, you knew what it was like to make money. You somewhat lost your identity. And after those three months, and I'm so glad that you found yourself what was the process like to refine yourself, Chase? Because there's a lot of people, when pandemic hit, a lot of people lost their jobs. And yeah. I remember doing it. I did a virtual call just to try to help people. And I had never used this. I had never heard this term before. But someone that was in the hotel world called and told me that they lost their job and they were told that they were redundant. 
<laughs> and I actually had to look that up as it applied to an employee. What does that mean? So yeah. I had a presentation and we said the title of the presentation was you were remarkable, not redundant. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people that are hearing or right, listening to this call right now, maybe have ups and downs, right? Yeah. With layoffs and things. What yeah. advice would you give to our listeners for how did you find yourself in those three months? I It took me some time. I literally, I had to go to therapy, honestly, mm-hmm. for it because I just was like, I, I really was lost for a minute. And yeah, I think... But that forced me to dig inside myself and really, who is Chase Harmer? Like, why, why do I do the things that I do? Who, what drives me? I didn't know anything about myself. It's like when people say, oh, you can't love anyone else unless you love yourself. I didn't love myself at all. I really was just, it was all for the cause. Like it was all going to you know be right one day. And then when that one day was my ability to that one day reach that one day was instantly taken away from me. I was like, who am I? Like, mm-hmm. I have nothing. I like, I was stri- striving for this dream that I couldn't reach. And then now it was gone. Like I spent 11 years. And so I was just like, but I realized like I created that from nothing. Like I have real value and I had to realize, Hey, you're Chase Harmer. Like yeah, you got yeah. this. And so like, <laughs> you know who the fuck you are. And so I basically, like, I, had, I had to, I had to have that conversation with myself and, and it, like rising from the ashes, like the Phoenix. I just, I think everyone loves a comeback story. And, and I wasn't going to let my life story be that final moment. I was going to, I wanted to basically say, I was like, listen, I'm here. I'm not in jail, not in prison. I, I'm, I have the, these very unique skills. I spent my last 11 years building, pioneering the virtual credit card technology, which is the very thing that actually can solve the biggest problem inside of charitable giving. And I was like, and and it has the ability, I think the thesis was if people understood where their donations were going, they would give more and more often. I was tired of going to the grocery store and seeing everyone ask me for a dollar. And I'm like, and then they take credit for the grocery. Hey, we donated forty million dollars. No, you didn't donate anything. You like a bunch of like a bunch of uh, customers did that, and, yeah. and they're getting the tax write off too. And I was like, and you don't even know where it's going. Hey, donate a dollar to help the kids. Like what kids? Yeah. What are you talking about? But people do it. And but I think but ultimately we're all getting jaded. It's hey, like where does this money go? Where what's happening? No one can actually show the impact. And I was like, like I can solve this problem, and I can do it in a way that it doesn't disrupt consumer behavior. Mm-hmm. And there's no one else that's thought of like this. And so it's like one of those things that's duh, so obvious. Those are the greatest ideas that are right in front of your nose. And you're doing good as a result. Yeah. So I, I had the chance of, I went to Wishes and I checked it out and sure. right, love the concept. But for our listeners, I, and we'll share your contact details, of course, sure. toward the end. Sure. But can you explain how Wishes works? Yeah. So essentially, Wishes is an app um, that you can download. We are launching with the iPhone this month. So we've we've been in compliance and all these things. There's a lot of due diligence and compliance that we have to do with the banks in order to get this all launched because essentially, we've innovated a new way to move money. If you think about the way traditional donations are happening, when you give to a Red Cross or you give to a charity, that money goes... Oh, even if they... Like Maui fires. Think of Maui fires. Hey, donate to help the Maui fires. When you donate a dollar, it doesn't actually go to the Maui fires, right? It goes into some cupboard because they're already out there trying to support the Maui fires. That money's not instantly getting distributed for Maui. If you think about when you give to a a charitable event, like you 
or a person, for example, like on a GoFundMe. Once that money is gone, like you have zero idea whatever happens to that individual. Hey, did that work? Did you do something? What did you did it get healed? In fact, a lot of times you hear that money has been used on other things other than what they've raised the money for because they had cancer. The the biggest problem is because the banking rails are built like a black box. So mm. They lose sight of what happens to the money. And then you only, it's a very reactive system, right? So this is why GoFundMe always has to fund people back, but that money's toast and the reputation and damage is done. So what we've really done is we've built a platform because I'm a donor, right? And I wanted to understand the impact. When you give, you lose that human connection. And I think the human connection is the most powerful thing. We're connected to the story because we want to understand that person that person got helped. I'm donating because I want to genuinely help that person. But if I don't understand what happens after, like, why would I do it again? If they're asking me for more money. I'm like, I don't even know what happened to the last money. So we wanted to build a platform that provided transparency to the donor, but also instantaneous spending ability to the wisher. And basically a platform where we can encompass all the things that they need. So ease of use. So if you think about, even if you gave somebody money, they still have to go and pay it and go find whatever retail, like the groceries, they have to go to the groceries, they have to do these things. So we've actually, when donors donate and the other thing is like, you don't actually get a tax deduction when you donate through a GoFundMe. And a lot of times you don't get a tax deduction until the end of the year from a Red Cross or something like that. If you do, right. we actually have a 501c3 public charity, all the donations flow through the public charity. So you instantly have a dashboard where yeah. you actually get to all your tax receipts and manage all that good stuff. Then you can donate to individuals, causes or crises and actually still get that tax deduction. So what happens is we turn those into virtual MasterCards, okay? And then we push those over to the Apple and Google phone. So like the Wisher. So yeah. essentially like the Wisher, it can instantly get the money and then they can spend. And then we have a shopping portal with about 3,000 retailers. All the biggest box retailers you can think of, like Amazon, Safeway, Kroger's, uh, right. Walgreens, Walmart, yes. <laughs> Costco, Sam's Club, all the ones, right? So they can instantly go start spending inside of the portal and get deliveries to, to their house in the same day. So that's so, amazing. Yeah. So it's like we built it all into one app. We've been just waiting to launch, but we built product. We've been working on it for about 16 months. And yeah, just a lot of compliance because of the fact that money's moving between all these different areas. And but we're at the yeah. very final steps and incredible. Yeah. So, so right now, is Wishes downloadable as an app? It's going to be down. We're hoping it'll be downloadable before before Christmas for sure. Okay. Yeah. So it's it'll be by the time this episode comes out, yes. it might very well be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I can time it appropriately so it, individuals can find it. Uh, and it just reminded me of a couple of things. So two things, real quick, Chase. I was in New York and I got done with a presentation just last week. And as I'm in the Uber heading to the train station, I got some some disappointing news with a potential client. It was a really big payday. And sadly, it was like we decided to move in a different direction. So I was feeling sorry for myself. I get, get dropped off at the train station. And right before the escalator and the stairs to head down, there was a gentleman, a homeless gentleman. And he had a sign. I'm going to get a little emotional here. And it said, I might as well be invisible. So here I am feeling bad for me that, oh, I, I didn't get a big, the biggest payday yet. Oh, I'm feeling bad for me. And then I see this guy and it was pretty cold with a sign. I might as well be invisible. And at the top of it, he said, my name is, his name was Fu, like F-O-O -O or something. And 
I reached into my pocket and I had, it's unusual that I carry cash, but I had a dollar bill in my pocket and I also carry gratitude stones. And in fact, I'm writing a story about it today. I carry gratitude stones all the time. And when I see people that are going above and beyond or someone that's having a bad day, right? I will give them, and maybe you can see it this way, right? I got two in my pocket right now, but I gave them a gratitude stone. I gave them the dollar and I said, I just want to like this gratitude stone. It's just to remind you that things are okay and things are going to get better. And he was so appreciative. And he said, what is your name? I said, my name is Bart. He said, my name is Fu. Nice to meet you. And it was one of these, I appreciate you, brother. It was so meaningful. And the only reason why I, I share that with you is that when Chase, you were, you were talking about the human connection. I don't want to give a dollar was nothing to me, but a right. dollar meant everything. And probably more than anything, it was that human connection. It was, I looked, right? I looked him in the eye. I handed him a gratitude stone, right? It was, that's what it's freaking all about, right? Yeah. And so Chase, what you were doing so resonates with me and I know with our listeners, because we all want to do better. We want to give more. We want to find that meaning. And my heart became a little bit more full because I gave the gentleman a gratitude stone and a dollar. But but why it became full was because of that moment. Life is all about moments. And uh, if you lose those moments, when you lose the, the what happens the understanding of what happens to the money afterwards and how you help those individuals and it and that's why we know i just know if imagine most people in the guy said he's invisible because most people won't give a dollar but why why is because people just like they don't want to give to charities it's the admin cost and what's going to admin what's going to impact what he's going to drink with this he's going to do drugs with this and he's not going to use it for food but if you knew Yes. that he was going to use it for food. You'd be more yes. likely to give, right? Oh my God. That's what yes. we're doing. That's what the problem we're yes. solving. Yes. And, and Chase, in the way that he conversed with me, and I told my friend this, or I told my wife this, I said, the way that he conversed is just like you and I are talking right now. So right. it wasn't this, th- there didn't appear to be any type of uh, non uh, a verbal ability to communicate. It was just like, he didn't appear to, he wasn't slurring his words. He didn't right. appear to be, it was just like this conversation. What's your name? Thank you. Thank you, right. Bart. And you are doing incredible things. And I'm so happy that we're spreading the word. I just have a few more questions for you. Sure. So with regard to the website, so I know the app will be downloadable soon, but the website now is up and it walks through sure. the philosophy, talks yep. about right the theory behind it, the ideas behind it. Remind our listeners, please, as to what the website is, the address. Uh, yeah, it's wishes.inc, so wishes.inc. Okay. And, wishes.inc. Uh, yeah, okay. and that's what it will be in the App Store too, Wishes Inc., so, okay. Incredible. Yeah. I, I do want to go back to, um, may I ask, are your parents still alive? They are. Yeah. Yes. How do they feel about what you're doing now? My mom is very supportive. She's, my dad's very old. And so he's, yeah, he's not really with it, but my mom is, she's, she's super excited about it. Yeah. So she's been very supportive of me and yeah. Okay. And, and probably the most important question, Chase, how do you feel about it? I feel like it can change charitable giving forever. I feel like it can impact billions of lives. And 
it has the potential to really be a, a big disruptor inside of the charitable giving space. And I think that I'm excited about its potential and really like how it can, how many lives it can actually touch and yeah. think about like disasters and things like that, deploying yeah. capital and, and always understanding where your money goes as a donor, because anytime that there's a disaster, there's always like a bunch of scams out there, right? It's yes. always understanding where your dollar is going, always being, always be, like having a, a safe place to, to always do it. And if everything's created equal, like if it doesn't matter if you're donating here or directly through there, but you're always getting a tax deduction rewards and you're understanding where your dollars go, is it yeah. even like a, is it yeah. even like, what, why would you put it any other way? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I was just deleting and cleaning up some emails. The time that we're recording, this is right before Thanksgiving. And there was a situation that happened near my hometown outside of Pittsburgh in Plum, Pennsylvania, where there was a home exploded and they're still not sure why it exploded. Some members of the neighborhood, they were sadly, they, they lost their lives. So there's a connection to just growing up right in the community. And I know a lot of people near that neighborhood in the school district. And I had reached out because through my my reach, my 100,000 plus listeners, et cetera, et cetera, I wanted to be able to see what we could do to raise some money. And it was very archaic, Chase, very archaic sure. to the point where okay. it was like the angels of Pittsburgh or something. And it was, here's the street address and there's an envelope in a box at, yeah. on our front porch. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. You know, yeah it I was mean, a, I believe it. Yeah. That's, drop that's off the, the check. Yeah. Drop off the, the check. Yeah. yeah. The charitable uh, giving industry got left in like technology is advanced everywhere in every industry except for this industry. Yes. So, yes. It's just about so, time. The only innovation that happened was in 2010 with GoFundMe, but co problem is that they were built in 2010 and right. they have the same exact problems that they had back in 2010. They still have those today. Yeah. And, and what I really like about this conversation, Chase, and again, thank you for being our guest. When I asked you, how do you feel about it? You didn't talk about the $500 million plus. You didn't talk about oh. revenue. You didn't talk about profitability. You talked about it's going to be able to help people and it's going to change their lives. Yes. Yeah, like, when I grew my first company, you see this B right here? That yes. B was for making a billion dollars. Yes. This B 2.0 to help a billion people. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> incredible. Chase, I, I cannot thank you enough for this conversation. I know our listeners, and as I had mentioned prior to hitting record, the goal when I do this podcast is I want people to become fans of people that are doing, people that are exceptional. And that is you, that is Chase Harmer. And then the second aspect is I want them to become fans of what you are doing. And yep. I want them to become fans of Wishes, Inc. So tremendous. Uh, last word to you. I would like you to fill in the blanks. All right, so sure. the, the name of the show podcast, again, most people don't. How would you fill in the rest of the statement? Most people don't blank. <laughs> most people, I think, don't think about others, really. I think most people are, we're very selfish, like humans, like the human intention is people talk about their problems all the time, but most people just don't absorb them because they're so busy thinking about their own problems that they, yes, yeah. they can't get past the, their own, the, out of their own way. And I feel I used to be like that for sure. And you know, but it takes like a life-changing moment to have a different epiphany about what you're doing and why you're here. And I think most people are, are so caught up in, in doing 
whatever it is, is important to them that of course we have kids and yeah, we love our kids. So it's hard to get out of your own way to think about other people. But I was over at the giving at the Catholic Charities in Northern Nevada last week and that's my last thing I will go on a rant, but there's, there was, we served like almost 700 people there and I, and it was at meals and I was just like blown away. I had no idea that there were 700 people that didn't have food to eat that day. And I was just like, holy man, here we are dealing with all of our own crap. They're dealing with real problems. And uh, or we, we're, we're, we're dealing with first world problems over here. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. You, you have a roof over your head. You're doing fun, creative stuff. You have some fun artwork in the background and you're having a great conversation using technology, right? <laughs> Our life is good, Chase, right? Our <laughs> life is good. So Chase is his first name, Harmer, H-A-R-M-E-R. He is now the founder of Wishes, Inc. So go to wishes.inc. Look for the app very soon, and it is a new way of being able to fundraise, to give money to individuals that need it, and see what the payoff is, and essentially how they're going to be utilizing it. Chase, cannot thank you enough. Really, what a true pleasure to have you on this show, and thank you for what you're doing. You are just an outstanding individual, and so proud to know you now. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been fun.